Welcome to Politics in the North, where a couple of recovering policy wonks get together to discuss politics. So welcome to Politics in the North, and today we have... Eddie. And... Hirsch. And we're going to talk a bit more about what's been going on uh, in Canadian politics lately. So I think top of mind um, has been the new ministers. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of interesting names, listing coming and going among them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think top would be Christia Freeland's new assignment Mm -hmm. as the Minister of Interprovincial Affairs and all that entails. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you guys think it's a demotion or how's the thing been so far? It seems like somewhat of a promotion actually, um, given the challenges. Regionally, in terms of feeling alienation, I guess the idea was to use her skills when it comes to negotiating Mm -hmm. to kind of get all sides to the table. And he had to do something out of the box, given the fact that he lacks MPs in Saskatchewan and Alberta. And obviously there's a loud voice out there um, kind of upset with how things have been going Mm -hmm. uh, in the economy the last couple of years. So I think... uh, it should be interesting uh, and she keeps her responsibility regarding the new NAFTA agreement yeah that's a key thing. so that's pretty key like we have to see that come to fruition I would agree with Harsh and I think uh, she not only intergovernmental uh, affairs but also deputy prime minister which we have not seen <laughs> yeah. in 15 years so I'm guessing this was also uh, commented from the back end of things, as in Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, despite his popularity when he first started as well, did see a decline in polls and also questions about his own leadership. And Christian Freeland, as a deputy, does show a form of a steady hand, um, a person who has direct line to him as well, but then is able to showcase a government that is serious and taking issues um, where they where they matter. Um, I think her handling of the NAFTA agreement was really well done. Managed to secure those deals with the U.S. Um, so I'm assuming definitely this is a promotion. And in case they do win another election, uh, definitely we could see maybe Trudeau step down and her take over as well. But definitely this is a signal from within the party. Everyone else to at least promote some of their high performers, and which is Christian Freeland in this case. I think it'll be interesting to see how much um, openness she has in terms of negotiating on behalf of this government. Because yeah. like, if she just needs to hop back to the PMO mm-hmm. each time she talks to Kenny or Ford yeah. or who knows who, um, like it won't be an effective way to bridging the gap and addressing a lot of the, the heated sentiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I was a bit skeptical at first, but... Um... Or just announced that he had a phenomenal meeting. With the that was his own words. He said his actual <laughs> phenomenal, which gives me those vibes of Donald Trump when he said he had that perfect call. Perfect, perfect call. So um, I really think uh, it allows her to put more focus mm-hmm. on the provinces where the liberals had an issue because mm-hmm. I think Ford has woken up yeah. and realized that somewhat of a backhand from Ontario and the GTA specifically Mm -hmm. so I think it's in his own government's interest to try to find commonalities um, with regards to like affordable housing Mm -hmm. transit and whatnot Mm -hmm. Um, so I it's for it seems uh, 
for the best for this government to kind of get on a good foot with Ontario, and that way mm-hmm. they can kind of focus in on uh, trying to find commonalities. I think not only um, Ontario as well, what we're seeing as in you saw the protest that was, uh, I think the protest that was happening with CN Rail, um, yeah. we, uh, we recognized, in fact, even Alberta's premier, Jason Kenney, went to Twitter and commented about the cabinet shuffle. I think he showed a form of support for it, uh, and he signaled out Christian Freeland and also the new Minister of Natural Resources, Oregon, yeah, um, Seamus. And I think even the energy minister in Alberta had did say that they had a very positive meeting with um, their federal counterparts. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I'm seeing all around the provinces are beginning to recognize that they may not need to work with the prime minister, but the prime minister does have a capable, um, a capable ca- cabinet. And we may also see more of that cabinet showcase itself versus a prime minister. The prime minister may take a backseat and let his people do, let his people do the job as well, which is going to be very different minority-wise yeah. uh, compared to Harper, who was a strong man of the party, whereas... Trudeau is going to take less of a micromanaging approach, but more like let my let the people lead, right? I'm curious uh, about your thoughts in terms of Catherine McKenna's shuffle out of environment, because like she yeah. she owned the carbon tax, she owned mm-hmm. environment. Um, naturally, it came with a high mm-hmm. degree of scrutiny and mm-hmm. death threats from yeah. certain segments of the population. So, and interesting enough, in case with Jason Kenney and Scott Mill, both of them explicitly listed not having Catherine McKenna. As, as the Minister of Environment. Yeah. I think McKenna had a tough file, let's say that. Uh, the mm. environment mm. file, there was, um, even as a bystander looking at it, there wasn't really much that had happened with the environmental file compared to some of the other files. Mm. And I think its biggest uh, takeaway was the carbon tax. Um, and that may have been very popular with, say, the environmental groups um, and climate change supporters. Um, however... Um, it really did not bode well with domestic politics. It boded well with a international um, gallery of supporters as well around the world who were saying, hey, Canada is doing, trying to implement a carbon tax. Whereas domestically, we were not really, um, there, there was not really a focus. So I think a shift uh, for McKenna may be a positive step in that way to get the yeah. provinces aligned. And even the federal government may have signaled that they are willing to at least reverse some of the law they had implemented and may not go as heavy-handed with regards to the tax. And I think, especially in this minority government, the government has to show itself as one that's able to develop policy and deliver for Canadians mm-hmm. in order to win a third majority mandate. I think um, it's just, there's a difficulty given... Uh, the administration yeah. down south. Even if they approve pipelines, there is a strong uh, voice down south mm-hmm. opposing any of that sort of infrastructure be built. Um, and the U.S. has increased its capacity as an energy producer. Yeah. So they're not in as much need for Alberta's show. Oil, yeah. um, so I think for Alberta, it's just... And Saskatchewan to a degree it's just a time of change rapid change and I think the issue is that Trudeau hasn't been clear on what his strategy is even with buying the Trans Mountain Pipeline for example mm-hmm. it's uh, 
none of the parties seem to know exactly what they want to do with it. Um, I think there was an interview with the NDP leader, and he was kind of like, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> what are you going to do with the pipeline? He said, we're going to have it, and we're going to look into it. And you think, think that it's such a big item yeah. that uh, he would create a plan. And, and with the uh, Andrew Shear and Jagmeet Singh budget, and this has been annoying me for a while, is that they released their budgets right before voters went to the polls. Yeah. Okay, so this is an example of handing your homework late <laughs> and expecting people to just be happy with it. Yeah. And when they're scrutinizing it, um, they see so many gaps yeah. that it almost bolstered Justin's ability to release all those ads. Yeah. So sheer cuts, sheer cuts, sheer cuts. You yeah, just saw yeah. them left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, so I feel like with the energy file um, and the natural resource file, they obviously had strong support. They being conservative, but mm-hmm. I think they just botched their communications and approach to um, the eastern eastern side of the country yeah. and uh, struggled for that. To play devil's advocate, the vast majority of parties that were elected into my, into this minority government were 100% supportive of the carbon tax, mm-hmm. or perhaps even strengthening it to certain degrees. So, and obviously you see clear regional divides among mm-hmm. the, the different parts of the country in terms of how much they, they agree with the carbon, tax. the carbon tax and its implementation, mm-hmm. but writ large, like, you're going to spitball at least 65 to 66 percent of Canadians voted for parties that were loud and a hundred percent behind what the Liberal government was doing when it came to environment. I think there's no doubt the Canadians are not in support over carbon tax. I think the question is just implementation and how is that going to affect my bottom line, right? How is that going to affect my ability to go shopping for things? How is that going to affect my day-to-day? And for most uh, most Canadians, I think it's just like, um, and as Harish mentioned, I think communication. Mm-hmm. Communicating what that plan is, right? And that's where the Conservatives and that's where the NDP are going to likely get um, this government in. Uh, what's with this government's going to get in trouble is that there is like, how are you going to try and phase this plan in like you don't want to have like what happened in Ontario where they try to increase the minimum wage right and then forced it down a lot of employers and people saying we're not happy with this right mm-hmm. what is the phased approach for this carbon tax right mm-hmm. um, and how do you win people over across especially in a lot of the western uh, provinces you have uh, Alberta Saskatchewan like a like carbon like climate change may be real it is real mm-hmm. Um, but um, how how do you like try to like, communicate that in a way that they understand it and also speaks to their own economic uh, issues on the ground? So out of all the the minister announcements, what would you say was the most surprising? Well, I'm Somali, so I didn't <laughs> see Ahmed Hussein uh, leaving his post Same. as Minister of Immigration. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a bit symbolic, even when he... Justin Trudeau first appointed him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of at the time where he was trying to signal to the world that we are open to immigrants. Yeah. Um, we want to bring in immigrants, and this was kind of his symbol. Yeah. Um, and him uh, pointing that change now, um, I think he responded to pushback. 
uh, a lot of pushback from the West, a lot of pushback from uh, forces that, for the most part, had this weird thinking about the way Ahmed Hussein approached his job, and mm-hmm. you would see it all over social media. People yeah. criticize, say he's creating back channels, he's trying to flood the country with refugees mm-hmm. and whatnot, and uh, it's just it it's it's part of the overall tone I feel like yeah. for this new government. It's we're gonna stop with this symbolism and ambition um, to kind of mm-hmm. uh, position our country in a very very unique way, but yeah. and we're gonna kind of be more rooted in what the thoughts are of yeah. Canadians. It's disappointing, though, because, yeah. like, the the only reason why this government has its economic record mm. that it has now is because its immigration policies yeah. have brought in a significant amount of, of individuals who are contributing members mm. to the Canadian economy and society. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully, even though the this optics change um, shifts things optically, mm. yeah, the underlying policy, I would hope, will stay consistent. I, you know, I agree with those points. And as we've seen with some of the movements in the cabinet as well, we've seen certain, um, let's say, members of parliament of color who have been shifted from, like, say, major roles um, to much uh, more um, um, smaller portfolios as well, right? Or even though they're large as well, but then their significance um, doesn't isn't really out there. Like, for example, Chaga uh, and Pichaga, who was the government house leader, is now responsible for diversity, inclusion, and youth as well, right? Um, so I'm guessing there was some pushback as to how that file was handled. Um, of course, we just talked about uh, Ahmed Hussein, who is now leading the social development file. Um, um, I think the only minister that remains in their post is Shahjan um, as defense. Um, and I think we have newcomer um, Ning, who's now small business and international trade. But That it, makes sense, though. Yeah, that makes That's sense, right? Because especially considering we want smaller business and medium-sized enterprises yeah. to look beyond the United States. Yes. For, like, EDC did some surveys, and they concluded mm-hmm. that like 87% of small businesses in Canada yeah. are only exporting to the United States. Mm-hmm. And with the current administration being very much... America first, mm. anti-free trade, mm. it makes zero sense to leave the status quo there. You yeah. want to go to other markets, yeah. and hopefully by linking those two mandates together, you'll see a concerted policy uh, to push Canada yeah. out. I agree there. I think there could have been like more on the side of even the government just trying to like get more. I think um, we have a lot, much larger like ministerial positions as well, like, getting mm-hmm. a lot more communities of colors represented in those yeah. portfolios as well, because that is what reflects the country now. As in, if you look at the stats and everything else, this country is changing. Jumping out of that, I think, is like that new ministerial portfolio for. Uh, middle class and prosperity, right? And <laughs> As in, what does that mean? It's yeah. more like a campaign slogan, but what does that for the average person, middle class and prosperity? I think they it could be another way, economic prosperity, um, social development or something of a sort, but as in having that kind of portfolio just really also still rings true to that kind of liberals be, being out of touch with... Um, but I'd like to get your folks' uh, perceptions. Early thoughts are why isn't there a minister for lower class prosperity? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think with regards to even defining the middle class, uh, the 
new minister indicated that it's to ensure middle class uh, designation is to ensure that everybody has a, a quality of life they seek and they can you know send their kids to play hockey <laughs> um, and uh, I think there's a lot of questions it's probably one of the more interesting ministers even in other governments that I've seen I mean mm-hmm. the UK has a minister of loneliness yeah yeah so it's not like out of the blue yeah, yeah. it's not it's not the most cutting-edge sort of new ministry yeah. Uh, yeah. ever created but um, I think you know Justin Trudeau has always used the middle class as a sticking point in any of his sort of messages mm-hmm. when it comes to voting times so, mm. It, it, it kind of makes sense for him, you know, if you're yeah. going to use it as such a talking point. Um, Now's the time. Yeah. Well, you think that, so one of the ways that you tried to defend the file was, oh, we're going to bring the lens of the middle class to policy decisions with each of the different ministries. And in my mind, I'm thinking that should be the default assumption yeah. that you're bringing that lens yeah. you shouldn't need to create a whole ministerial portfolio yeah. just to bring that lens and perspective to decisions that should take it into consideration yeah. to begin with yeah. i think you also speak like the government as well was there is trying to come up that that's it's one of its faults like trying to have that kind of symbolism yeah. um you can there's one thing to show it then there's another thing to act it and they have not there's one thing of having that ministry but what exactly is that ministry focused on and who is it focused on and who's going to reap from those benefits at the end of the day right so i think it also with their gender balanced budgeting uh, as well i think um it sounds really good and dandy as well but then how are you actually applying it like how is it being going through the public service like how are how is the public being made aware of that and what are some of the programs, especially if we're looking at middle class in a time where people are afraid of a recession um, creeping up again, um, how do you try to like sound off like more similar to like Harper days as well, like jobs, economic development, action plan, right? Having those big billboards, um, that is something that you need to showcase to the public, especially politically. Um, to show that you're working on jobs, you're creating jobs, and there's nothing to worry about here. I think we're all just holding our breath mm-hmm. to see the announcement of a hockey equipment <laughs> tax credit because <laughs> with all the amount of uh, talk about mm-hmm. hockey parents being yeah. the, the quintessential identity for the middle class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Nothing for them. They're yeah. missing out on Don Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but also one other portfolio that was very interesting change was the Minister of Justice and Attorney General. Um, historically, that uh, has always been Minister of the Attorney General. But I'm guessing this has come uh, stemming from the scandal that we had earlier in the year with um, SNC Lavalin, uh, where there was a clear confusion as to what is the role of the Attorney General and what is the role of the Minister of Justice because one of those two roles is strictly a political position and the other is supposed to be more of a neutral actor and it was very clear to have that stated as this is a Minister of Justice which I think is the political role and Attorney General where it is non-political trying to showcase again to the Canadian public that um, they will not be any kind of like uh, dilly-dally um, or mm. picking from the cookie jar, as in they will have a distinction in these two roles. Yeah. Mm. 
And I think we can't talk about Freeland without talking about her replacement. Yes. So mm-hmm. Francois Philippe Champagne, mm-hmm. um, who takes the helm at the Department of Global Affairs, <clears throat> aka the Department of Setting Those Two um, People Free in China. I think the first thing they talk about is the management of the Canada-China relationship, yeah. um, which obviously is 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 very, you know. Uh, nuanced mm-hmm. and yeah. tense to understand um, and at a time where American foreign policy is what it is I think it's really really interesting to see his approach to um, sort of handling global affairs yeah. on behalf of Justin Zhou I think that's one to watch because he was part of the international trade then after he was international trade before yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and I remember him uh, getting stuck with the bag in terms of the G8 summit, oh, they, I'm trying to remember which one, but I think it had to have been the one in Canada, yeah. where Trump was like tweeting off a, a storm as he was flying out, yeah. saying he wasn't going to take part of the 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 memo at the end of each of these type of, of shindings, yeah, yeah, um, and he was caught off guard. And then in other occasions, uh, Trudeau him instead of attending oh. uh, certain signatory yeah. events. Mm-hmm. Uh, which rubbed people the wrong way in the past. But I think he's perfectly yeah. capable yeah. Of, of delivering. But I think, generally, I think if you look at this cabinet and mm-hmm. how it's been formed and its main focus, and um, I think a lot of it is going to be very internally focused. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's going to be very domestic focused. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm suggesting that they're not having some of the higher people um, big names on some of the international files, international mm-hmm. trade or foreign affairs as well. Mm-hmm. You have more of the up and comers, but a lot of the more heavyweight uh, ministers are now focused on domestically focused um, uh, portfolios as well. And mm-hmm. that I think is going to try, I think the government, based on this, and this is just my assumption, is just going to try and focus on that domestic part for the next bit and I think because we haven't heard too much about Minister Hadju and what the former care what's that going to mean from healthcare and we know that there will be a speech from the throne the first week of December when they come back Mm -hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to know what major policy the Liberals are going to put forward that is going to get the support of the NDP Um, conservatives Mm -hmm. uh, may not be in agreement with a firmer care policy but Mm -hmm. they have to take something back to the electorate in two years and let them know that this is what we tried to do we were refused and this is all that we have done give us a full mandate and we can deliver she's an example of another steady hand because she Mm -hmm. she's been around for a while yeah she has yeah and again, if you looked at the differences in terms of the pharmacare plans between yeah. what the NDP and the Liberals were proposing, mm-hmm. it wasn't that significantly no. different. Mm-hmm. And given that this minority government, a portion of it will be based on getting NDP support, yeah. uh, I think pharmacare will be an easy win for both of these parties. Yeah. The NDP saying, look, we are effective at pushing something forward. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of our marquee solutions that we made sure the Liberals delivered on. Yeah. And yeah. the Liberals, again, saying that they're, this is a policy that's going to help many hard-working and middle-class Canadians yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. make ends meet better. Yeah. And it's in the NDP's interest to work with the Liberals. I mean, yeah. they took a beating during the election. Beating, yeah. um, so it's an opportunity for them to kind of... Get, get some policies across mm-hmm. that uh, 
they're interested in implementing and I mean I think for the parties that lost um, it's a moment of self-reflection do you guys think the minority government will last or yeah it, it's a, as far as minority governments mm. go Trudeau has a pretty strong context to work with because like the NDP they're they're broke they put a mortgage on their headquarters in Ottawa yeah because they means. didn't raise enough money yeah so they're in no shape or form ready for another campaign the block is completely content with the gains that they had made yeah, yeah. JT is just gonna continue at least for two years yeah. plus and then reevaluate it maybe at the two-year point and do something similar to what Harper did mm-hmm. and go you know what I'm gonna go for the gambit and try and get a majority off yeah. this I mean, it's it's it'll be interesting also what the outcome of the U.S. election will be, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of how he has to adjust to that. Because as you noted, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the focus this time around is domestic, yeah. and I think in down south, there a lot of their focus is also domestic. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if uh, shift towards sort of opening up trade lines and mm-hmm. and trying to take more of an outward look. Yeah. If that. Uh, coincides with sort of his strategy at the time yeah i think also like there'll be less focus internationally there'll be less of canada around the world mm-hmm. um by missing even working seeing how the even in impeachment trials go on in the mm-hmm. u.s with trump i think even for trudeau to showcase that he's able to work with a very difficult administration down south mm-hmm. is going to play a major role um i think everything is still very much on standstill do you think Canada is going to get a UN seat on the Security Council? May, well, maybe. Because who else is in contention, right? Yeah. Australia. I, I think they could have a chance. They do have a chance. But what does that mean to the average person, average Canadian? That's true. Right? Yeah. It's like for us, like uh, south of Bloor, mm-hmm. um, Torontonians and stuff, that's a big deal. That's a big win internationally. We're on the International Security Council. Mm-hmm. But... For everyone else, like who is trying to make ends meet, they couldn't care less. They couldn't care less. It's yeah. like oh, big, big, whoop to doop, right? Now we're in the UN as well. Do we now have to pay yeah. more fees to this international <laughs> organization? Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. I mean, it might open up uh, international like internship spots. And exactly, yeah. Yeah. jobs. <laughs> Yeah, the professor might have to get appointed to that <laughs> department, a new department created. So. A monk school representative. Yeah, a monk school representative, but I don't know how much. And to be honest, um, I know that it doesn't only cover uh, military might, but Canada's security forces yeah. need to do a bit of more work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're heavily relying on the U.S., and uh, there might not be even an appetite from Canadians to kind of invest more into that because they we're covered so greatly by our neighbors to the south so why do you have to like yeah yeah we could I build mean, a wall <laughs> <laughs> with these uh, uh, organizations I think there's more skepticism around them mm-hmm. um, I mean Russia itself I think self they were kicked out of the G8 mm-hmm. yeah then they said well we don't care we're out anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already are <laughs> yeah so uh, I don't know how much credence these uh, these titles hold yes yeah. there's a limit to it. there's a yeah. limit but the one thing I think um, we could be mindful of I think especially in a minority status is the poss- if there is like some kind of economic downturn or anything of sorts that may also test the power of mm. the minority government 
oh, it's going to be tough on Canadians because we hold a lot of household debt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the thing not talked about as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will, I mean, every time there's a uh, announcement on interest rates, it's kind of scary how nervous people and jittery yeah. people get around it because um, it is make or break for a good portion of people. So uh, reducing the household debt probably a good thing but it's tricky though because the government the the lever that the government needs to use to reduce household debt would be to increase the interest rate but if they increase the interest rate with so many households living within $200 of like going into the negative each month going up by 25 basis points kills you so they can't afford it's a tough bind I think Canadians themselves just need it's going to be interesting times in terms of looking at our own budgets mm-hmm. so, yeah I think on that note I guess we'll wrap this one up then yeah yeah